0: Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. Grab your seats. It's great to have. How's the weather? If you're watching this, we're in Sydney as I present this and it's raining and it's a lot lot of rain over the weekend, which is great. Waters the grass, makes the grass green, which is great. Are you ready for the Word this morning? Today, are you ready for the Word? We're going to pray. And then we're going to go. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to be here, to gather, whether online or in person. We thank you for your word that speaks to us and that you would speak to us through your word. God, at the end of this message, we're going to pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. So God, stir a faith up within us, an expectation, a desire within us. And God, as we pray that you would meet us here, those online, in person, that you would meet us here that you would touch our hearts, that you would renew our minds, you would heal our bodies, and that you would empower us to be your witnesses. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, when I was a young fella, I remember my mum used to send me on a mission. She used to give me $2. It was measurably a $2 note back then. And she used to send me up about 200 metres away up to the local shops. And it was like one of those supermarkets that was very small. We uh, don't see them much nowadays, but... 30 years ago, they were around. And mum used to say, Nathan, go and buy me $2 worth of Devon. So we used to go up to the, to the little supermarket place, and it was owned by a guy named Mr. Honson. And I'd say, hi, Mr. Honson, can I have $2 worth of Devon, please? And, he, and I'd hand over the money, and then he'd open his fridge up, the um, metal fridges, and pull out this big loaf. Well, it looked big to me. Maybe it was that big, but when you're little, it was like this big, right? And he'd, and he'd put it on his meat slicer, and he'd go, meow, meow. He knows what I'm talking about? Neow. You know, and he cut $2 worth of Devon. He never used to measure it. It was a bit of a guess, I think. But back 30 years ago, $2 was like heaps of money, hey. Uh, and then he'd put it in a plastic bag, wrap it up in um, paper, and then put it in a pla- plastic bag, wrap it up in paper, put a bit of sticky tape on it, and he'd give it to me. And I'd say, thanks, Mr. Hansen. And then I'd take it home and I'd say, mom, here's your Devon, mission complete. Who's got a story like that in their lives? I'm sure we all have stories like that. And, and, and those stories are important, and our parents give us those responsibilities, and they're important because it teaches us responsibility. It teaches us that as we get older and as we go through life, there are projects, there are tasks, there are responsibilities we need to take on, and we start from a very young age, and the responsibilities grow. You might have been asked to go to the shops when you were little, and then it goes to a place where you can eventually walk to school on your own, and then your parents might ask you to take a younger brother or younger sibling the younger sister, to school, and, and, and you take them along. And then in school, you might get a teacher who asks you to do an assignment or do a task for you, or they might say, hey, here's a message, take this message to Mr. or Mrs., or take this thing, to, and you say yes, and, and you do this task. And then as you get older, you end up in the workplace, and your boss says to you, hey, here's a portfolio I want you to look after, or here is a project, or here is, I want you to go and do this research and bring me back the results. We get these tasks and responsibilities that our employer gives, us, employer gives us. And then, when we become parents, wow, does the responsibility increase. We get these little kids, um, one or more, and we're responsible for them, to provide for them, to teach them, to equip them to be awesome adults. And my prayer is that my kids will grow up following Jesus all the days of their lives. As we get older, our responsibilities grow. What's put on us... Um, increases, and we're called to do those tasks and responsibilities well. Now, if you're a Christian this morning, if you're, or today as I present this message, if you're watching online or you're in the room, and if you're a Christian, on the screen I have something that I want to show you. It's something, it says this, God is asking you to do something. I shared about the task that my mum gave me to go to the supermarket and buy the Devon. And we have teachers and employers who ask us to do tasks. And this morning, I, w- I want to remind you that, that our God is asking you to do something. Now, before I tell you what that something is, I want to give you three things really briefly about this something. The first thing you need to notice is who is asking you. I remember as a, as a kid, the, uh, your classroom teacher would ask you to do something. Oh, cool. That's good. A bit of responsibility. And then it might be a deputy principal or a principal, wow, might ask you to do something. You're like, oh, I better do this, take this even more seriously because of the person who's asking me. And if you're a Christian and you're watching this today, God, the creator of the universe, the sustainer, the one who holds it all together, the the star breather, the one who is all-powerful, is asking you to do something. He's asking you to do something. If you're watching online and if you're a believer... God's asking you to do something so we need to take it super seriously. The second thing I want to say about this thing that God is asking you to do, this thing that he wants you this this task, this responsibility that he's giving you is that it has a huge effect on the people around you. Now when you pass a message on for a teacher, little note, whatever, if it doesn't happen it's not the end of the world. But this thing God is asking you to do has huge implications for the people around you. And the third thing I want to say about this thing that God wants you to do, this task he wants you to complete, is that it can be super scary. But the thing about God is that whenever he asks you to do something, he always gives you the capacity, the ability, the power to do it. He doesn't say, go and do that task, you're on your own. No, he equips you by his Holy Spirit to do the thing that he asks you to do. Three things. Number one, notice who's asking you. Number two, this is super, super important for those around you. Number three, it can be scary, but whenever God asks you to do something, he always gives you the the ability to do it. Are you ready to know what it is? Are you ready for the something? Here it is. To be a witness for Jesus. Now, if you've sat in church for a number of years, even a few years, you might immediately think, ah, the preacher's going to talk about sharing my faith oh, I don't like it, oh dear, now's the time to switch off. But don't switch off today, because as I've been reading the book of Acts, I believe the Lord revealed something to me around this word, witnesses, that I want to share with you today. Something that's going to help you, something that's going to impact you, change your thinking, and help you do the very thing that God wants you to do. That is to be his witness, which is simply sharing what God has done in your life with others. I'll say it again. Simply sharing what God has done in your life with others. I want to take you this mo- um, today to Acts chapter 1. Last time I spoke, I spoke to you around, has your fire gone out? Remember that? And I got the sparkler and I got the little fire pit. and We didn't light it because for obvious reasons. And I challenged you about putting logs on the fire. Because in verse 1 it says... This is Luke writing to Thelophilus. He's writing about all that Jesus, beg- in his former book, in the Gospel of Luke, all that Jesus has begun to do. When you read the Gospel of Luke and all the teachings and the miracles and the resurrection, these death and resurrection, friends, that's only the beginning of what Jesus wants, wants to do on this earth. And, he, and he's inviting me and you to partner with him in seeing his will fulfilled on the earth, and if we're going to live that out, the best way to do it is through being, um, being passionate about God, having a desire to do that. And that happens as we stoke the fire. And we talked about that last time. I want to read you nine verses today from Acts chapter 1, the first nine verses, and then hone in on verse 8. I'll read it to you. In my former book, Philophilus, I wrote about all, this, all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Let's pause for a moment. Pause for a moment. So the context is Luke is writing to Philophilus. All that you read in the Gospels, death, the resurrection of Jesus, that was only the beginning. Here it says, after Jesus' resurrection, he then appeared for 40 days to his disciples on multiple occasions. He appeared to the women as they left the tomb. He appeared to the men in the upper room. He appeared to a couple of blokes on their way to Damascus. He appeared to Peter and John. While they were fishing, Jesus continued to appear. And in 1 Corinthians, we're told that he appeared to over 500 people all at once. That's what this text is saying. Let's go on to verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized. The word baptized means immersed. You will be immersed with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse seven. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Let's pause there again. What the disciples are saying here, Jesus, are you going to now set up your kingdom on earth? Because the Old Testament prophets said there was going to be king, there was going to be a king, one of David's descendants, who was going to rule in Jerusalem. And on that day when Christ comes back, he's going to set up a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be here, but it's all going to be made, and Jesus will rule at that place. And these disciples are saying, is it now? Are you setting up your earthly kingdom now? And Jesus is saying, that's not up for you to know the time or date. God the Father knows when's that going to happen. But right now, what I want you to do is focus on this. This is the thing that he wants you to focus on. Look at verse 8. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And in verse 9, and after he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. I want to go back to verse 8. Jesus says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and your Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let me say this verse, I think, Acts 1-8 is the most important verse in the, in, the whole, in the whole book of Acts, of the Acts of the Apostles. Because this verse is the thing that Jesus says, I want you to do and continue to do. And what we have in the book of Acts are the recording of the apostles doing this thing. In Acts chapter 2, we have the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 8, Philip goes to Samaria. In Act, That's Samaria. In Acts chapter 9, Peter goes to the, um, the Gentiles, Cornelius. And then from Acts chapter 13, we have Paul going all around the known world to the ends of the earth, what they knew at the time, to preach the gospel. This is a pivotal verse. And in verse 4, Jesus says, wait until you receive the power in order to be witnesses. He says, for John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, the word baptism simply means to immerse. And the baptism in the Holy Spirit, who is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit? It's Jesus. He's the one who immerses us in the Holy Spirit. And why does he immerse us? Verse 8, that we may have power... To be his witnesses. Now, when I speak about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, let me say there's been lots of different thoughts about this over the years. It's brought conflict to churches. It even brought conflict to our church when I first started in ministry. Praise God we're through that and we have unity on this topic. But when we talk about the baptism in the Spirit, people can get distracted by many things. We can get distracted about when it happens. Some people think it happens at conversion. Other people think it happens after conversion. For me, whenever it happens, not really important. What, happens, what matters is that it happens. And that we all experience this baptism of the Spirit experience so that we would have power to witness. The other thing people get distracted on are the gifts of the Spirit. But what gifts come with the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And there's a heap of gifts. And you read through the book of Acts. And in our life groups this week, we're going to be looking at some of the gifts that happened when the Holy Spirit came on people. And again, we can get caught up in all the gifts and how the gifts work. They're all distractions from the main thing. And what we read in Acts 1.8, back to the screen, it says... You receive power. Why? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, so you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The baptism in the Spirit is about power for you to witness. It's about God giving you the ability to witness. So, as I as as we as we head to the second part of this message, I want to talk about two things. The first thing is around witnessing, and the third thing is around power. I want you to turn the person next to you, and if you're watching this online, you might want to put a comment in the in the chat box. Um, when I say the word witness, when I say the word witness, what comes to mind? Turn, turn to the person next to you. Ten seconds, turn to the person next to you, then you're gonna yell out your answers. When you think of the word witness, what comes to mind? Okay, you like your answers. What do you got? When you say witness, what do you, what do you, you say it out loud? A court, a court case. Someone giving a witness in a court case. Someone else testifying, what testifying to what you've seen and heard. Great. Someone else truthful. Truthful. Someone else telling what, happened. telling what happened. Exactly telling what happened. I was um, driving back from Rhodes in Sydney, it's near Homebush, where the Olympic Games was one day a few years ago. And as I was driving home, a bus ran out the back of me, squashed the back of my car. Thankfully, I could still drive it home. And so we, uh, but before I drove it home, we uh, drove through the intersection, pulled over, and the bus pulled up behind me. And then thankfully, a witness who saw the accident pulled up as well, came up to me and said, I saw it. Here's my phone number. If you have any troubles, ring me. Now, thankfully, that witness did that because the bus tried, the bus driver said it was my fault. I was stationary out the back of me. It wasn't my fault. And the insurance company said, hey, Nathan, the bus driver is saying it's your fault. And I said, well, actually, I've got a witness. And I gave them the uh, number of the witness. They called the witness, and guess what? All good, no problems. Thankfully, that witness gave an account of what they saw, of what they heard and what they experienced. And so it is with witnesses. when, when, When Jesus says witnesses here, that's the exact thing he wanted his disciples to be doing. He's saying to his disciples who he's speaking to, I want you to be a witness of what you've seen me do. I want you to tell others what the, the miracles, the teachings. Tell them about what you've seen, the, the, the resurrection and the appearing. All the stuff you've seen, I want you to tell others about it. I want you to give a witness. I want you to give an account of what you saw. And that is true for us. We're simply to share what we've seen Jesus do. And as we think about this idea of witness, it's really about everything that Jesus has already done in us and through us. And here, Jesus is simply asking you to give an account of what you've seen Jesus do in you and through you. Now, this is the the revelation I believe the Lord gave me. You know, when we think about sharing our faith, we can think of it as something really difficult. We can think to ourselves, well, I need to have all the answers. I need to have the ABCs of the gospel locked in. I need to understand how it all works. And if they ask me a question, well, I need to have an answer. And we think it's this really big thing to share our faith. And because we think it's really big, we don't think we're equipped in order to do it. But that's not what a witness is. A witness is not about your level of training, or your level of experience, or how long you've been in the Lord. It's simply retelling the story of what Jesus has done in you. That's the revelation. Just like that driver who saw the accident wasn't involved, didn't, but saw and could tell an account, what Jesus is asking is for us to simply share what Jesus has done in our lives through us and what we've seen in others. That's a revelation. That takes the pressure off. Would you agree? Now, in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus sends out his disciples and he says to them, I want you to, be, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and I'm with you always. Now, that's a big deal. To make disciples... That takes a level of training. That takes a level of a number of years in the Lord, yeah? And pastors and leaders disciple others. i have created a thing called foundations, which you can do if you've been walking with the Lord for some time. It's a tool that you can use to take someone who is new or, or trying out Christianity. You can take them through it and take them through the basics of the Christian faith. That's, the, that's making disciples. But here, Jesus is not talking about making disciples He's talking about witnessing. And if you're a Christian listening to this today, Jesus has done something in your life. And that is the thing he wants you to share with others. So here's a question for you. What have you seen Jesus do? What have you seen Jesus do? As I look at my life, I see Jesus working throughout it. He he spoke to me clearly in 2008 and said, Nathan, you'll be lead in 2007, actually. You'll be leading the church next year, clear as day. And that set me in this this role of leading LifeGate Church. I had no desire to do that, but God said, Nathan, this is your next step, okay? That's what you want, Lord, I'll do it. I was looking for my purpose. God, what's life all about? And I find Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16, Nikki's favorite scriptures, and it says, all things were created by him and for him. This is what life's about. It's here for him. God has changed my heart. He's changed my thinking. I've I've, I've had parts of my body healed. I've prayed for people and I've seen other people be healed. He's lifted shame and guilt. When you confess your sin, the weight of sin lifts off your life. And that's just what I've seen him doing me, let alone what I've seen him doing others. And there's so much more I could share here, but let's make it personal. What have you seen Jesus do? What I want you to do is take a minute. And if you're watching this at home, I encourage you to do this as well. Take a minute. I want to get your phones out. Get your phones out. Get your devices out. Get a pen out. And I want you to write down two or three things of what you've seen Jesus do in your own life. Do that now. I'm going to give you a minute because I just don't want this to be a message that goes over your head. I want you to actually process this. Think about this. Get your phone out. Get a pen out. You've got one minute. Write down two. Write down one, two, three. might write down five things of the things that Jesus has done in your life. Take a minute, do that now. I'm just going to wait a minute and enable you to do that. Are you ready for this? What you just wrote down, that is the thing that Jesus wants you to share with others. That's what you've experienced Jesus do in your life. That's what you have witnessed. And as a witness, you share a truthful account of what you've seen Jesus do. Christianity Explained, Alpha, Foundations, all these great tools. They're awesome to have, and we should be using them. But what we're talking about today is you simply sharing what Jesus has done in your life with others. That's what it means to be a witness, and that's what Jesus wants you to do. The second piece in this text, Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you in order to be the witnesses. Now, the thing I love about God is that God just doesn't say go and do that task and just leave you on your own. No, he meets you in that place, he equips you. He puts his spirit in you and gives you the ability to do the thing that he wants you to do. And Jesus says, wait in Jerusalem to his disciples until you are filled with the spirit. And all that means is that the spirit comes upon you. You are empowered in order to go and be this witness that he wants you to be. And that is so beautiful because when we think about witnessing, we can think, um, what if I get my words muddled up? Or if I share, maybe maybe they'll reject me. How are they going to treat me if I share what Jesus has done in my life? We could have all this concern and fear and lack of confidence. But when the power comes, power is around courage. Power is around boldness. Power is around ability. And if you're fearful in sharing your faith, you need more of the power of God. And let me say, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is not just a one-off experience. In the book of Acts, we see in Acts chapter 2, but then in Acts chapter 4, the disciples are again filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can read over and over again the accounts where they're filled again, and they're filled again, and they're filled again. And if you've been filled in the past, I want to give you the opportunity to be filled again today. You know, we talk about we leak, and it's true. There's this We are, get full of Spirit, and then we give out and we give out, and we need to be filled again. In Ephesians 5.18, Paul writes, Be continually filled with the Spirit. It's like it's a daily occurrence where God meets you, He empowers you, He gives you all that you need in order for you to be the witness that He wants you to be. Jesus gives you all that you need to be a witness. In, as I come to the close, um, last time I spoke, I spoke to you about... Heather and Leslie Andrews, and many of you are impacted by this story. Les and Heather came to our church in 2007. Les got saved. This is Les on, obviously, the man, Les. Um, he got saved, in the following year got baptized. And then one day I was speaking on this topic of the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the importance of witnessing. And I didn't know this, but Les had an encounter with the Lord, right, that he wrote down in a book somewhere, and at his funeral a few weeks ago, they shared a video of his grandkids retelling the story of Les being filled by the Holy Spirit right here in this room. It goes for two and a half minutes. It's the grandkids speaking Les' story. Check this out. As a Christian, I have never doubted about the working of the Holy Spirit. I've time and again read the scriptures relating to the promise Jesus gave his disciples, but never seriously considered that the gift of the Holy Spirit was available to me as a born-again believer. I was totally and miraculously cured of tuberculosis 37 years ago, yet I continued to be cynical of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly the speaking in tongues and prophecy and even healing. I felt content to just watch others lay hands and pray over people and often had my own reservations. I joined LifeGate Church in 2007, and in May 2008, I was convicted to be baptized in water in obedience to his word. I began to spend more time reading my Bible. The scriptures that I just glossed over previously began to become more meaningful to me. I wanted to know more and would often ask the Holy Spirit to enlighten me. Last Sunday, Pastor Nathan preached on the Holy Spirit. It was really good. There was a call for those wanting the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come forward, and I responded. While the worship continued, a couple of the elders came over and prayed over me. And all I remember was asking the Holy Spirit to help me to be a witness for Jesus. I don't know how this came about or why I did not think of all the listed gives as such. I just asked, Lord, help me to witness. Then I distinctly recall a gentle breeze come across me. I did not relate this to be anything unusual. It was just a short and gentle breeze and it stopped. They continued praying and said so it I. And again, when I repeated my request, I felt the breeze again. It still did not seem significant. Or should I say, it made no impact on my repeating my prayer. But by this time, I had tears in my eyes. When I asked again, this cool breeze felt very calming. And it was only then I realized that it was happening each time I prayed, Lord, help me to witness. In all, this must have happened about half a dozen times. No one knew what was happening. But even as I returned to my seat, I could not help wondering. I did not ask for tongues or prophecy or wisdom. Where did my request come from? But I know I have my answer, even if it is only a confirmation of my request to witness. And this sign is just that. I shared this experience with the pastor after the service and with the two elders who prayed for me and with Heather. Praise you, Jesus. I asked the Holy Spirit to help me be a witness for Jesus. I now sincerely believe my request has been granted, and right now as I speak to you, I am only witnessing for Jesus. Well, that's pretty beautiful, isn't it? Well, today can be your day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're watching online, I encourage you to pray a prayer that says, Jesus, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. He's the one who fills us. And I encourage you to ask him and pursue him and see what he does in in your life, that you may have power to be the witness that he wants you to be. Thanks for joining us. God bless you guys online. We're going to say goodbye now. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.